Proverbs is about the path that we take. And you're going to see that in the next little passage that we read. Thomas, if you'll read chapter 2. Chapter 2. Greg has such a good voice. And I'm a notorious mumbler, so I'm sorry if you've ever been to youth group. Greg, you did have a good reading voice. He's like listening to NPR. Did you practice? Uh, no. Chapter 2. It's not new. <laughs> my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of righteousness, who walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forsakes the covenant of her God. For her house stinks down to death and her paths go to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. In Proverbs chapter 2, there are three primary voices that you're going to see. Um, but before I kind of show you those voices, I, I just want you to realize that the choices that you make in your life always follow the same script. Uh, every human that makes a choice, it follows the same script. And, and there's one place that this comes from and then three people who are kind of giving their philosophy on the world. One place that it all comes from, three philosophies. It always begins with words that lead to thoughts that end in actions and their consequences. That is a chunky little statement, but this is all I want you to notice is those three words that are highlighted behind me in the middle. It, we hear words, those words lead to thoughts, and those thoughts lead to actions and every consequence that's going to come from it. Doesn't matter if you're three or 30 or 93, we hear something, it could be something that is spoken to us, it could be something that we've read, it could be something that we see, it could be a billboard, it could be a marquee, it could be a text message, but this word hits us and it turns into an idea, and that idea then turns into an action, and the moment you have made an action, whether it be, like Jimmy was saying, a righteous action or a, a broken, sinful action, there will always be consequences that follow. Now, if you're a note taker, don't forget, there are three different ways. You can do it a million different ways, but this would be a great uh, proverb. If you've been listening or kind of close your eyes, this would be a great one to note take. Three verses that you need to highlight, verse 1, verse 12, verse 16. Verse 1, verse 12, verse 16. Now, I mentioned to you that it all starts with words, so I want to prove it to you. Look at verse... One, 
My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. So the first person speaking is God himself uh, giving his word. In this case, personified through Solomon speaking to his son. Drop down to verse 12. And in the second half, you'll see this. Men of perverted speech. It doesn't say their thoughts were perverted. It doesn't say their actions were perverted. It keys in on what is falling out of their mouths. Look at verse 16. And then we have the third person who enters into this from the adulteress with her smooth words. It always begins with words that lead to thoughts that end in actions and their consequences. And all of the book of Proverbs is constantly asking you the same question, which is why verse 7 is the key. Do you believe God really wants the best for you? And when I say that, I don't want you to think universally. I don't want you to think, does God want the best for Midtree? Does God want the best for the people who are here listening to this right now? I'm saying your name on your driver's license, your name that you put on the top of your sheet at school or whatever it is, do you believe God wants the best for you? Because if your answer is no, this proverb warns you about two people who are trying to speak to you. If your, your answer may not even be no. Your answer could be, I don't know. I don't know that God actually wants the best for me. And, and what we find is this. The first person that, this, that, that sort of offers their philosophy on life is this band of rebels, this group of guys. You see it in verse uh, 12. Men, not a man, but men of perverted speech. This is a, a, a group of guys who are being rebellious. You can play it out with any sin that you want, right? Uh, they're, they're going out, they're drinking too much, or they're smoking uh, too much. They're, you know, it, it could be drugs, it could be sex, it could be alcohol, it could be laziness, it, it could be lying, anything that you want. These guys are basically saying, I am going to squeeze as much life and enjoyment as I can, and it doesn't matter what the consequences are for the people around me. That's the first. Now, typically, we see this in out word sin. They're not trying to hide it. They're just trying to live whatever life they think is going to be most enjoyable and on and on they go. And then the second word jumps out to our hearts and it's this smooth, almost silent, secret voice. In this case, it is a woman who is trying to lead someone astray. If it's not the outward sin, maybe if you don't believe God really wants the best for you, you'll listen to the whisperings, those little sins that you hide and you keep to yourself. The ones that you tell yourself, I, I can get through this by myself one day. I don't need to share this with somebody. I don't need accountability. I don't need to meet with someone or pray with someone. I can keep this thing hidden. I can keep this thing dealt with. And then one day I'll ask for forgiveness and one day I'll make it right. Both of those paths lead to the same place. Ruin and destruction and brokenness. But in verse one, the father says, son, listen to me. If you will seek wisdom, then. And what is so cool about Proverbs chapter 2, Jimmy, you were just reading this in, in verses 20 and 21 of uh, chapter 1. If you guys in the back are feeling real quick, you can flip to that. Chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Here's what Jimmy just read. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. Streets are a loud place. So you got to be awful loud. In the market, she raises her voice. 
At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gate, she speaks. The the idea here is that wisdom is looking at every one of us, every person who's ever lived, lived, and saying, just listen to me. I've seen this play out lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Listen to me. Heed my warnings. I want your life to matter and be preserved. So wisdom is crying out. What's fascinating about Proverbs chapter 2 is we see the opposite. Instead of wisdom screaming out, now somebody is running after it. Look at verse 3, if you would. Proverbs 2, verse 3. If you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So which is it? Is it wisdom saying, come, come close to me, or... Is it an individual that one day says, gosh, I've been living like such a fool. I have to to seek after wisdom. And what the Bible says is these things happen concurrently. They happen in synchronicity. It's like when a guy walks into a room. I don't know if this is any of your romance story, right? I don't know if this is anyone's romance story. Was this yours? You walk into a room. You met your wife in like preschool. So... You walk into preschool and you pull up your huggy and you look across the play mat and your eyes meet. And in that moment, both people, sparks fly and tensions. Is that how it played out? Now, well, who made the first move? Nobody did. Eyes linked and there was this explosion of emotion and anticipation. And the Bible says wisdom is the same way. So a way that you could put it is If you seek wisdom, you're going to find God. Simultaneously, if you've been found by God, you are going to seek out wisdom. And that sounds really sort of neurological and cognitive, but it also plays out in relationship. We know that through God's word. I can't be straight with God in a good relationship and then crooked with you guys. It's just not going to happen. I can't be sideways with the Lord and in a good relationship with the people around me. They work in tandem. But wisdom isn't just what we think. Let me show you one more cool thing. This is verse 10. This is, my I think, my wife's favorite verse out of Proverbs chapter 2. I think because it's got a lot of feels attached. I'm a very cognitive, logical, linear thinker. I like systems where things line up and there's nothing left out and everything adds up and it's some zero. But my wife loved this, and so I kind of wrestled with it a little bit more. Verse 10, for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. It's like a warm cup of coffee in your hands on a cold day. That's the way the Bible speaks of wisdom. Typically, I, I think of it as knowledge, but memorizing facts doesn't warm our soul. The C number for water is 4,186. I know that. Because Mr. Skinner was my chemistry teacher. I told you about him last week. Which means that's how much energy it takes for water to heat up one degree, 4,186. I know that. That does nothing for my heart or soul. But when I write that on a test with a number of other questions, and I get that test back and I get an A on the top, do you know what I do with that? I go home and I show my mom. And I show my mom or I show my dad because I want them to celebrate with me. And all of a sudden, knowledge turns into something that is more than just knowing stuff and regurgitating information, which can really just puff us up and make us very proud. It unites us. It knits people together as we find ourselves successfully navigating the world. 
That's what wisdom is supposed to do. It's supposed to put you in a right relationship with people, and it's supposed to put people that desire to be in right relationship with you near you. There was one son who actually listened all the time. Verse 1, my son, if you receive my words. There was only one son who always listened to his dad from top to bottom every time, and that was Christ. And Jesus didn't listen to a band of rebels, even though he was surrounded by them. He didn't listen to sweet little whispers of temptation, though he was surrounded by it. He listened to the word of God. And by doing so, every one of us in this room, who instead ran with a band of rebels, and all of us did, listened to whispers of temptation, of which all of us have fallen into. Instead, we can hear the word of God, we can seek the word of God, in the person of God, Christ, and we can live like him. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. As we pursue wisdom as a church, we're not pursuing wisdom. We're pursuing a person that personifies wisdom and shows us that no matter how foolish we are, we have a hope before God because of what he did for us on the cross. Proverbs 2. Anybody want to toss in on that one? That's good. Thanks, man. I thought so too. <laughs>